What's up everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Elemental Arts with your host this evening, Eagle Death. Just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who's been tuning in to the podcast and sticking around for another episode. I really appreciate it. For this week's guests, we welcome on to the show the minds behind Liquid Dance Hall Sound System coming straight out of Detroit, Michigan. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Andrew and Elliot of Liquid Dance Hall. You know how you always kind of had that fear of like if you left your oven on the whole time? Yeah, that fucking happened. That was it was very weird. I was like wondering why my house was hot. And like I came in and like everything's fucking hot in my house. Uh, uh, what's up guys? How you guys doing? Pretty good. Good, yeah. man. Good, good. Uh, did you guys have any events coming up this week or? Nothing this week. We've actually no. got... I mean, Getting I don't even know what our next weekend. one is now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, movement weekend. Yeah, movement weekend. Oh, nice. You guys are actually setting up at movement? No, no, no. Just during the weekend. We have a... Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's Sunday, the 28th. I think the 20th is Sunday. Yeah. That's fire. Well, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, Andrew, yeah, we, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'm Andrew, a.k.a. Decca. I had Liquid Dance Hall. And that's the short of it. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's enough. <laughs> Elliot, uh, also known as OCA2 or OCA2. I'll still leave that open-ended. Uh, I'm the uh, sound system brains and builder behind the Liquid Dance Hall sound system. I definitely call you OCA2. I, you know, I never knew <laughs> it, was the, it was the other way. I was just abbreviating it. <laughs> I, I'm honestly cool with either. Uh, some people don't like that, but... <laughs> Whatever's easiest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, at least at least we know who who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so what what made you guys want to actually build a sound system? And start uh with dance hall. Uh, I think that's a. Those are two different answers, I think, and um, I can answer more about the inception of Liquid Dance Hall, and Ellie can probably touch more on the the sound system itself. But we can start with the rig. If Ellie, you want to go with that one. Yeah. Um, so at the time, I think it was around like probably late 2019, I had uh, the first gig that I had played for Andrew uh, was when he had booked Koki actually at City Club. And we kind of started our relationship there. But at the time, I had been going to Outlook Festival with uh, Josh and Phil from Distinct Motives. So at the time, uh, it kind of got me a lot of exposure to some of the other sound systems since it was like Croatia. So you had Sinai, you had Firmly Rooted Sound, you had Rays, a whole bunch of them out there. So it kind of got me in front of a whole bunch of the different sounds. Um, and the one in particular that caught my ear was Rays Sound System. So I had a chance to talk a lot with those guys. Um, so if you'll notice, actually, the tops from our sound system are the same that those guys use, which is actually the PM90. Mm. Um, so when I had come back from the festival, I had all the inspiration that I had wanted to build a sound system because I had built a lot of uh, built a lot of speakers in the past, but really didn't have a place to go with it. Um, Did you have a background in, in like building speakers and stuff before that? Um, yeah, somewhat like in college, um, actually even before that, even in school, I had started building sub boxes for cars back when I was like 16. And that's how I actually funded a lot of my projects was building people subwoofers and doing box tuning and stereo installs. Oh, wow. But but then from there, I went on because I have a degree in engineering. Uh, so I started to build some of my first sound system stuff, which was actually some of the equipment that's used in the B12 sound system out in Grand Rapids. Um, but ultimately wanted to build bigger from there. So then mm-hmm. when uh, Andrew and I were looking at sound system stuff, basically became a joint operation of I want to build it. I need a place to put it. And then we just kind of met in the middle. Um, was there not I, very many like... Um sound system events or any like electronic stuff like that more of like the dubstep stuff happening within like detroit there was a little bit going on um and andrew can definitely uh fill in the blanks on that as far as the story but at the time when i kind of jumped into it we realized that there's a gap in sound quality and really sound system representation in the area Mm -hmm. yeah there are sound crews in the area but they're more aimed at doing you know sound reinforcement weddings events venues like all of the general uh spread of things is like as far as every genre in between 
So this was really something that we needed. We, we, we wanted more low end. We wanted something that was going to do the sound uh, proper. So it was kind of time to do it on our own. And it definitely sounds extremely nice. I mean, when I was out in, in Detroit, <laughs> thank you. I was, uh, I was kind of drooling. I mean, I didn't get the full power of it, but it was still nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When the cops approach, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So it's built us a little bit of a record in that regard, but and good. How, how long, how long have you guys been, uh, you know, using the sound system now? Uh, sound system now? I mean, it's been together since, well, the beginning of COVID, but it really didn't get a lot of its time until, I mean, COVID started to kind of roll back. So probably in the it, past So it started popping off like right before COVID and then COVID yeah. and just shut shit down. Kind of, yeah. We like debuted it in November of 2019. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that first show was uh, Turning Sound. So Yeah, and we were preparing for a pretty heavy three months coming into 2020, um, you know, to kind of really show what the system was capable of and kind of make our mark. And then, you know, everything kind of unraveled from there for an uncertain <laughs> amount of time. Um, yeah, more than we all expected. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it became disheartening and certainly frustrating and um, discouraging at times, but um, now that stuff has been rolling back and things are kind of settling back into a groove again. It seems it's like, you know, we're slowly getting to where we wanted to be probably three years ago. Nice. <coughs> what uh, what upcoming events you guys got coming up? Uh, I can't disclose too many specifics right now, but uh, certainly one for May, uh, Sunday night of movement, and then July, and then working out our fall right now. We're trying to keep it a little bit, not I don't want to say sporadic and spaced out, but be a little bit more selective about what we're grabbing and who we're representing and the time we spent on that. Do y'all have like select clubs and everything I'm guessing that you play at that you're kind of more familiar with the acoustics? Yeah, right now we've been using a space in Ferndale called 215 that's been pretty accommodating to us. It's difficult to find a space that will just allow you to roll bins in. Um, So that comes with its own hurdle. So finding a space that will be accommodating and allow you the room and at least work with you somewhat to their own ability to like let you do what you want to do is, is always like is always a challenge. So within like the most recent shows, have you been using like the full setup or just the partial setup at the moment? Still partial, but I think it, it certainly stands on its own even compared to what the full setup was before this current uh, setup is now. Have you yeah. done upgrades to the system? Yes. A few. <laughs> A few. Okay. Well, what, what kind of upgrades have happened? Um, I mean, I guess like so since we've been in, in this venue, we haven't been out in full force, but we had added the first two twenty ones. Um, as far as the upgrades go, I can't list off a few of them because uh, it'll be a while until I roll them out. But I did end up working with. Uh, there's a sound system out in Green Bay, Substance Audio. Um, big shout out to those guys. Um, so we're going to be actually picking up four more twenty ones from them. Still got to build the boxes for those, but expanding in great amounts there. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a massive system once it's finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking to add quite a few more bins, actually. I kind of, I don't know where it came from, but the inspiration of like a final image, we'll say, has come to me in the past like two weeks or so. So in addition to working with them, I reached out to RC1 Sound System out in the UK, as well as Rise Up Sound System out in Ireland, and procured, uh, we'll say, a few hard-to-get uh, U.S. or UK components for my US system. So looking to see how those uh, can continue to add some warmth. So big things coming soon, as they say. (laughs) Now, I know uh, you you guys started the like sound system to kind of bring something different to Detroit and everything, but what actually made you want to get into sound system? Like it it, was there, was there a, uh, a certain reason that you, really decided that you wanted to, you know, build besides the simple fact of uh, just trying to get good sound out in Detroit? Um, I'd say there are definitely a few motivating factors within the scene that we had worked in. We definitely wanted to increase the sound quality and uh, definitely kind of set ourselves apart from other people, I guess we'll say. Um, and also just kind of bringing it in-house allowed it, allowed us to operate it on our own terms as well. Yeah, I think um, definitely there's always a degree of like, there's a, a logical next step where you become self-sufficient mm-hmm. uh, in that way. And that certainly becomes part of it 
regardless of, you know, maybe the cultural implications that I might have seen having this. Um, but, you know, it just seemed like it was like kind of the, the next maturing step. I mean, I've been throwing these kinds of parties in Detroit for a very long time. And um, when did you start throwing parties? I was doing the Dats What's Up parties starting in late 2009. Okay, nice. So you've so, been in the scene for a hot minute? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had done a lot of parties for sure uh, from 2009 to 2016. And always a focus on quality for sure over quantity. But when you kind of have the availability to really control every element and every aspect of the thing that you're producing, um, I think it, it shows a dedication to the craft and a dedication to the art that a lot of people maybe kind of overlook and certainly yeah. people misunderstand or don't really have a full comprehension of. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't really go to events for sounds and self. They just go to hear, hear music and get loose at a show. Yeah. And there's certainly an element to, you know, over the last two years, particularly, I would say that there's been an interest in um, procuring or eyeing out name brand sound systems uh, mm -hmm. for the other names that kind of go along with these rigs. But um, that, unfortunately, kind of makes the whole thing a bit of a meme, whereas there are people like Elliot and other crews throughout the U.S. that are really putting like their fingerprint on these systems that are getting vastly overlooked by a shiny badge. Yeah, so, like we you have know, a pomegranate sound out here. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, if Elliot, if you want to elaborate on that. No, I'd agree with it. I mean, there's definitely an interesting take to be said, like for like what's perceived as sound system culture, because it's like, how deep do you want to delve into the actual definition of that? And what is it defined as? But I definitely agree with Andrew saying that there's a definite association that the culture has been getting with brands rather than the individual efforts. We'll say you see a lot of people, you know, screaming from the rooftops about a certain sound system brand rather than the person Function that operates one, it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, right. and to be clear, <laughs> it's nothing, nothing against those brands. They all do make very great gear and they've got tons of engineering time and testing that goes into that gear. No. And the reality of it is, is like, you don't see people gathering around the stock Mustang at the car show. You know, that very like, true. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. If anyone wanted something cool, that was crazy, that yes, they can go buy it. But if you want the experience, you want the effort, you want the passion, that's you got to go and find it, you know, and that's what we aim to actually put out there. It's not just a sound system. It's it's an event. It's everything about it. We've got our time invested, our passion invested, and we like to hope that shows, you know. Yeah, that's extremely important, especially with what you're trying to do. Um, to actually enjoy it and actually show that this is this is what you love, not something that you're just doing to you know make money or anything of the sort. Mm -hmm. Like it's a it's a passion, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that really kind of touches on like why we do Liquid Dance Hall to begin with is that it's it's an experience. It's like a whole it's a whole thing. All of us together working in tandem with one another, working with this sound system, working with the space, and then coincidentally working with the audience to just create an entire event of everybody that every, you know, everybody can enjoy everybody's welcome at, but that we really maintain a, a level of quality and consistency of every aspect of it to make sure that we're delivering the best kind of cohesive event for you. Um, and like Elliot said, like so eloquently, like no one's standing around the stock Mustang. So, you know, when you consider all the effort and work that goes into the, the kinds of things that people do stand around at and admire, um, they're always much more, they're, they're much more worthwhile when like the control and the consistency is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do, do you guys have like a pretty big crew or is it uh, just the two of you? There's five of us all together. Is that right? I always, I always forget. About it. <laughs> and yeah, it's, not I mean, to, it's not to ignore or forget anybody in particular. It's just, I'm a, I'm a forgetful person, but <laughs> hey, there's a lot so, going on at times. Yeah. yeah. There's five of us all together. You know, um, <laughs> we certainly, you, you can't, you can't really do it too much on your own. You know, I, I think we all kind of understand our roles and responsibilities within the group, but um, mm -hmm. as far as the collective is concerned, there's five of us. So is it like people that you guys like grew up with, or is it just people that you've met along the road and, and built onto the team? Cause they were showing interest in kind of learning this kind of stuff and kind of, you know, people you, you meet along the way and um, people that show an interest in what you're doing beyond wanting to be involved in just like the photographs. 
And that's, I think, the really hardest part is the people that are willing to show up and like plug in the bins and wheel them in and out are really, are really um, central to like the operation. So um, you got to give a shout out to Josh, Alex and Kane for showing mm-hmm. up and putting through every time. And, you know, they're also having to be like really great DJs and, you know, each of them have their own unique past. Josh formerly being part of Distinct Motive and Alex being a talented DJ on his own. And then Kane just kind of having his hand in a whole bunch of crews throughout Detroit, it, like the collective of all of us bring our shared experiences together to make something I think is like a little bit more unique than might, might be going on for other crews in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I know you guys definitely load out pretty uh, fast when I was over there, but I, I don't remember load in. Uh, I, I was, <laughs> I think I was pretty incoherent at that time. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, we forgot. Oh, we got one more person to know on the crew there though. I just remembered uh, we've got other Kane. So we've got oh, Kane with Kane, an yeah. E and Kane without an E. Uh, yeah. We've got Kane, Kane, uh, Kane with an E on the decks that goes by Heniac as the artist, and then uh, other Kane, who's uh, our our guy in the kitchen. Yeah, so, uh, we <laughs> we do the have different knobs. Yeah, and and I've known that Kane for quite some time. So uh, yeah, he's also an engineer, and he's just on the stove knobs, as <laughs> Andrew said. So yeah. did y'all like grow up together, or or uh, when did y'all meet? I met Elliot. Um, I had Sleeper at the works in August of 2018. Yes. And at the time, I was still living in the Los Angeles area. I had just finished grad school and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to move back to Detroit. Um, but I had ended Dats What's Up when I, when I moved out to the Los Angeles area for school. And um, it seemed like in my absence, there wasn't the consistency like kept up by anybody really uh, to be keep bringing through the kind of stuff that we were doing with that's what's up. So I had an opportunity to grab sleeper and just kind of feel it out of what it would be like if I did it from a long distance and it was a nightmare. But uh, that night I had met Elliot and I just met him to actually tangentially through Josh to see if he'd be cool with me or if him taking some photos at the party. Um, and so that, that was my first introduction to Elliot. And then again, when I had Koki at City Club and he played for me, and then we started kind of having the conversation a little bit more consistently. Consistently, And I would say actually that night at Koki was probably the first night that all of us together were in the same room. Uh, yeah. It was the night I met Alex. It was the first time I had Kane play for me. It was the first night I had you play for me. So that, mm-hmm. without really knowing it, that was probably the night that it all really, really formed. Yeah, um, nice. Which that's and really then, full circle, com- like from our, our our most recent movement party with Koki, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Alex couldn't be there because he was doing you know doing his thing, and um, but yeah, to to be able to kind of come into this where it's like Detroit, oftentimes can be a very cutthroat city for the financial end of things. And, oh yeah, I know. I'm from yes. Detroit, uh, right? Right. And what can <laughs> or cannot be disclosed when you're making arrangements with the venue or sound companies and all all sorts of things can go wrong very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's nice, it's nice to know that, you know, from the first time having Koki back it, with the inception of liquid dance hall to then where we arrived with him at an outlook launch party during last year's movement with our own kind of sound systems was like a, a very significant step to, to us, I think culturally and, um, really showed that we'd like come to our own. So within the, like the, the time of actually like meeting, cause it, it sounds like you, you guys didn't meet too far off of actually starting liquid dance hall. How did that conversation come about? I don't know if it actually came about or if it just happened. You it know, sometimes. Of, yeah. Just kind of happened, right? Yeah. I think it just, it became. <laughs> like, hey you know, man, I make, I make speakers. You want to kind of do something? <laughs> well, it was like, you know, kind of back to what I was saying a little bit ago, that there was such a lull and what was going on in Detroit. And then when I had kind of come back with liquid dance hall or to start liquid dance hall in Detroit became like, I don't really know who's in the landscape any longer. I had spent a lot of time with my graduate degree, like in school. And so my ear, fine art. So my ear, my ear wasn't super to the ground of what was going on in Detroit. And like, I was still aware of what was going on musically, you know, as far as like who I was buying music from, I was still DJing and digging around and stuff. But um, when I came back, it was a very different landscape. Two years can change things dramatically so i didn't really know who was like doing what and i've always been very picky about the people i've had surrounding the things that i've done just because i am i want to make sure that like the people i'm pairing up with like they have to represent me as much as i represent them which is extremely important a lot of people just kind of dig around and and just want to play play games and and, you know 
more than that. <laughs> I hate to sound harsh, but it, it goes back to like the who's who's present for the family photo kind of thing. It's yeah, like if yeah. that's if that's your aim and that's your goal, we're not going to get along very well because looking at the grand scope of how this operates and even now considering the sound system involved, it's like there's a lot of moving parts to this. So like I have to have my trust in you um, that we can get these, this thing kind of going as much as you have to have your trust in me that what I'm putting together or that we are putting together really shines everybody, you know, puts a light on everybody. Yeah. Um, so you, you know, when you meet those people, but finding those people certainly are hard. I just was, I was fortunate enough to kind of through <laughs> someone whose opinion I trusted, you know, met Ellie and then it just, it, it evolved from there. Yeah. I'll definitely yeah. say there were a few conversations where like, <clears throat> Over the course of time, when I was thinking about the sound system idea, call it like the come to Jesus moment, where I was like, Andrew, I'll do this. If we have this, we can seriously do this. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, and then eventually it was just like, okay, we're doing this. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into, uh, you know, the politics of how Detroit kind of operates, but certainly yeah. like, hey, man, there, get, there get was... into it. We, we can talk about anything, man. We got a whole hour to talk about whatever. There were, there were certainly some events with some, organizations that made it impossible for us to that that put too much responsibility on us um and we had to remove ourselves from that kind of situation where we could then you know like i talked about being self-sustaining and Mm self-sufficient and there's a there's a long-term goal associated with that kind of self-sufficiency that when you're dealing with another party that has to provide an element of something to to your party um those those goals are always very short sighted because you have to you have to consider them a lot more than you would have to just consider your own organization. Yeah, that's that, I definitely understand that. I know um, I know Elliot. I know you were saying that you were doing engineering before. Um, like you have an engineering degree. What uh what actually what kind of engineering were you actually doing? Like audio engineering or like structural engineering? So <laughs> it's kind of funny because like. I started out as a computer engineer, decided that wasn't my business. Um, so I ended up moving into mechanical engineering because I was big into cars, still big into cars and motorcycles. I mean, we chat about motorcycles. but Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm still waiting for you to come out here so we can go riding. <laughs> right. I got a bike in the garage for you. <laughs> when the Grom can keep up, we'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll pull out the 300. <laughs> yeah. We, we can just go slow down the road. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of picked it up like – over time, kind of as as like a side thing, really, honestly, just because um, automotive just kind of guided the career path. But then I always stuck with audio uh, while I was in school studying for engineering. I did do my like uh, certification in Ableton, which is where I got into production and everything like that. So, oh, you it ended up just kind of sticking with me. Yeah, I dual enrolled while I was in college. I don't know what I was on then apparently I was capable of doing anything. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out here. You have no excuse why you're not finishing your songs. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shouldn't have told you that. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, you're sitting on songs and they just, they just need to be done. Yeah. Yeah, I bet has got some shit in the chamber though. So yes, yes. For sure. Did you finally organize your computer? Like you said, uh, a year and a half ago. (laughs) There was, you know, there's stages of organization. So this started out, this was the pre-organization. So now it's in the folders that I sort. (laughs) So it is a step in the right direction. closer than you were before. So we're moving in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have like any releases coming out on your uh, your Uh, first name? Actually, yes. Um, I can't give it out any, get out any details right now, but it is in the works. But yeah, um, I know you know the two tunes. I'm not going to mention them because I'll leave it uh, to be ambiguous. But yeah, okay. um, it's sounding like two of the more uh, known tunes of mine amongst the groups where that uh, they've been making the dub plate rounds, we'll say. Uh, it sounds like those will be getting potentially a plexiglass release and potentially okay. a vinyl release. We'll see. Hey, that's what's so up, man. So we'll see. You yeah, de- you definitely deserve it. I mean, thank you to hear your music on vinyl. Here. Yeah, it's, it's... that's that's bucket list category. So that's going that's going in a frame on the wall for sure. Nice. You got any shows coming up that you're playing? 
Uh, yeah, actually at the end of this month, so uh, April Fools, uh, I'm going to be headed out to Green Bay and I'm going to be opening up with uh, Durandal, DMVU, and then that's going to be, who else is on that? That's uh, Wolfed, and then another guy, Krug the Wizard, I believe is his name. And that's, that's out an in, interesting uh, name right yeah, there. Yeah, right? That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, that's out in Green Bay, and that's on the, the Substance Audio Sound System. I'm excited to check that out because those guys, they run those Authorn 21s. It's the same ones that they run out at the Black Box. But oh, I want to nice. say they have four more than the Black Box has, I think. Mm. So, And then he's running some of the, I think, Turbo Sound uh, tops or Function 1 tops. So. That, I've heard good things about it. It's a big system, so we'll see so what it can do. So with the Black do. Box being so well known for its its sound system and, and the culture that it, it puts out, what did you think of it when you came out here to play? I definitely enjoyed it. I will admit the first time I was out there, I saw Phil uh, Distinct Motive play a couple years back. Um, I'm trying to remember. He opened up with a, a couple other people, but uh, that day they it wasn't a full house, and it was notably quieter, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But I get it. You know, sometimes they don't necessarily want to push the gear. You don't want to blow everyone's ears out. That's for sure. Especially with the bartender standing at the back of the venue in the corner there. Yeah. But uh, I will say the night that, I mean, that we met up, uh, that was, it sounded really good that night. They had it packed out and it was definitely bumping. That's for sure. Yeah, what'd you think of that crowd? You know, did you think you would have a crowd like that? <laughs> I, you know, Denver. That is the one thing that I'll know uh, by comparison to Detroit. And no knock on Detroit is like the amount of people that showed up earlier in the night at Denver. That it was very evident that the people knew where they were going and what they were expecting to get. So there was no like, oh, who's the headliner? You know, or what time does the headliner go on? People just showed up, yeah. and everyone was there having a good time. It was awesome. It was really yeah. cool. That's one thing I can definitely say about Denver is that that people do show up early, you know, for the openers, you know, because I mean they're not going to get booked if if they're not, you know, basically what the main artist is representing it as mm-hmm. as well as the club is representing. I mean, because yeah. the Black Box has a certain sound. <laughs> yep. And, yeah. and people and people know what to expect when they go to the Black Box, so it, it's always nice that. It actually fills up way before the headliner comes on and people are leaving yep. as soon as the headliner gets off. Yep. And that's definitely like a, a style that, or a, like a mindset that I'd like to drive home with what we're doing is that it's not so much, it's not about the headliner. Like, yes, we do want to book good artists, but I want it to be a trusted curation. We'll say that regardless of the party, regardless of the headliner, you know, it's going to be good because you trust a liquid dance hall event. You say it's, you know, money worth my time. It's a guaranteed good night out. You know, you know yeah, it's and then gonna it, be good quality audio. Yeah, it's introduce you time. to some new artists, regardless of what it is. It's going to be good, and that's my yeah, goal. yeah. Because it's, it's different when you know you go to like a lot of different clubs, and then you you don't know what the actual sound system is going to sound mm-hmm. like, or even if they even have a sound system, they might just have some yep. PA speakers and, and call it a day. Which unfortunately, I have played some events like that, and it's mm-hmm. very hard because I mean the music that I associate with doesn't really accompany that uh, kind of yeah. speakers. <laughs> I will admit, I mean, I don't I don't work the booking side of things, but occasionally I do see some of the emails and stuff like that, but I will say the uh, the frequency of people requesting uh, information, I guess we'll say, on the gear that they're playing on as far as writers go is becoming more and more frequent because I think yes. artists are dealing with that. They're dealing with two sides of it. They're dealing with people booking shows that don't have gear to support the sound or they're getting booked for venues that have your straight up line arrays that are pretty tired and it's not that those things are bad but it's a jack of all trades you know you want something that's going to strut its stuff in the best way possible you know most vehicles can tow trailers but trucks will do it better you know like that's the reality of it (laughs) yeah i mean that's seeing those specifications for sound system requirements in in emails for offers and artists epks or whatever um that was almost unheard of unheard of eight years ago yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. People didn't really care about what the sound, what it actually well, sounded I think, like. I think there's two parts to that, though. Is one part being that um, the people that were bringing through the talent, like we were doing for Death What's Up, were so few and far between that the spaces they were using were were set up for louder electronic music to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but 
the other side of that was that there was not the insurgence of the boutique kind of sound system culture then as there is now. So now you have the boutique sound system culture. And uh, with that comes a lot of people to think that stringing up any bin together will work the same way that, you know, a more reputable sound system were, were, which is not the case. But then also just the frequency with which these events are occurring um, leaves them open to be done in spaces that like are not set up for that now. So where it was, you know, a lot more techno clubs grabbing these kind of dubstep parties within a decade ago, it's now moved to spaces that are not necessarily equipped for that because they weren't places for like techno parties to begin with. Yeah. Yep. Cause mostly people playing Detroit techno and, and, more of the mint rangey dubstep as well too, to where it didn't really need all of all of that. With well, it's like uh, you had a space like the Works. The Works had a huge, mm-hmm. massive, massive rig in that very small brick box, and like so, those are the kind of places that Youngstone, Haksha, and N Type would all get very excited to play. Um, but when you have a pairing of a room like the Works with a system like that, with the caliber of the artists like Youngsta, Haksha, N Type, or Truth, or any of those that we had through. Um, they're, they're much more complementary to one another. Whereas now the frequency that these artists are getting booked, you have an artist like truth that may end up at a space that isn't curated for that. Like the works used to be. So I think that's where you're starting to see. It's like now, now that now that the jelly is spread so thin over the toast, like you have to make sure that um, every, like the sound, the sound is equivalent in these rooms as they used to be when they were more selective. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, with some clubs already having like their own setups and everything, I'm pretty sure some of them are a little bit picky about bringing in your own stuff. Have y'all run into like any issues with that in the past? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's definitely gone both ways. We'll say, um, as far as bringing stuff in, the only hesitation that we've got with the venues that we've wanted to work with is. Uh, the obvious obligation that the uh, the cops might show up because yeah, yeah, of frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there has been requests from other people to obviously bring our sound in for other venues and other shows and stuff like that. But the unfortunate reality that I've had to come to face with it is that there are people that want to do these shows, but there's a very large difference from how we want to manage our shows versus renting our sound out because the reason it doesn't come out right is because you see these other events where uh, they're more mainstream and more large clubs, we'll say, that are booking these artists. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is then we've got those same venues trying to approach us using our sound, which really gives us this like this appeal that it seems like it's them doing what we do. And unfortunately, the reality is, is we do it a little bit differently and we prefer to have the control over that. In a sense, so that's where you kind of start to see that these other options that are getting more of a presence where people are standing behind sound system brands rather than the crews, we'll say. So they're saying it's got function one sound and it's in a venue that's 2000 cap. That's not really, you know, it's not a crew like we would do. So that's not exactly, you know, our thing. Right. They're hiring out a sound company to come in with that designer rig. Um, You know, and I think that really goes, that goes to note of like the reputation of the space. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a space that is kind of notable for being, you could say, culture vultures and kind of capitalizing the most they can out of whatever trend they see as profitable, mm-hmm. though that's that's the kind of space where you run into. It's like it's not really about you're not really doing these things for the reasons that we would necessarily be doing these things, but you're trying to use us as a catalyst to show that you're authentic. Yeah, but, definitely different priorities yeah. between the two. Right. It's yeah, like, but the definitely. person writing that check has, at the end of the day, has no idea what any of it is, mm-hmm. who it is, what it is. They just know that they're they're getting money in from the door, and they're getting money in from the bar, and so they sleep well at night. You know, and that's boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're in it for different reasons, and that's just I mean, what it's it put is. a lot of work into putting these bins together, and you know, we've all put in our time, like wheeling them in and stringing them up, and um you have to you have to like recognize that beyond just like a mass manufactured kind of conveyor belt thing yeah do you uh with with other people wanting to rent your stuff outside of like you throwing your own events is um do you guys normally have a crew there to actually monitor you know how the sound is going out so that it's actually being projected the way that you would like it versus how like the club is is just having it because i'm sure they're not 
you know, going through and make sure it sounds absolutely perfect. They just wanted to sound, you know, loud, mm-hmm. you know, and, and present. But you guys have a whole different perspective of how you actually want it to sound. Yeah. Um, the stuff that I do rent it out for, typically it's, uh, I mean, I will be there for it. Um, I kind of choose my gigs on those on a case by case basis because unfortunately the reality is, is it's as much commitment as all this stuff is, it is still a hobby. So I still do work during the week. So it's got to pick the weekends when I do it. So it's picking the battles, but also making sure that those events that we do run out, uh, to our people that. Like, like we've discussed with like how our, our, our crew is, uh, people that we trust, people are that are representative of our values in some capacity that we think can represent us as well. But I'm typically there firsthand for the entire night, uh, just manning it. Because one, want to make sure the quality is up, kept well. And then two, taking care of my gear. And then three, just making sure that we're interacting with the people that we're renting to. Are you, you know, the main person that's, that's monitoring the sound? Yeah, I'm, I'm usually the guy sleeping somewhere in the building. No. Okay. Is there <laughs> no, anybody else within your crew that has kind of taken the initiative or the jump to want to learn how to do that uh, when you're not, you know, present? I would say kind of an all-around uh, interest of every member of the group because as people have started to, like, help me move bins in and learn how to hook them up, there's always learning that goes on and every single time that we do a loadout. So I've noticed that occasionally, you know, Kane will come over and be like, how do you hook this up? And I'll show him how to do it. Um, but yeah, everyone's slowly like, it's just slowly picking up the different traits. So taking the training wheels off and making sure everyone can do things. So now it's to the point of where I just say, hey, this is what we're doing. And then they just know, and it just kind of heads that direction. Whereas before it's like, this has to go there. This has to go there. Here's what we're going to do with this. They all now ge- know the general process. And eventually at a point, I think it will reach... Uh, just kind of a no questions asked. They know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely like, you know, when you're working with a crew of people where you have so many moving parts, it's, it's a delegation of roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities that like you set the expectations out in front of people and you'll be surprised at how well they you know, surpass those expectations. So it's like everybody mm-hmm. kind of falls into the groove of what they're good at and not everybody's good at everything. And that's, yeah. I think, very important with like many aspects of your life is just understanding your relationship with people that are good at what they're good at, you know, and then like, amping that up and hyping that up and people do yeah. really, really well on their own for the most part. So it's, I think everybody in the crew definitely has, has their thing that they are like, when it's, when it comes to load in and set up, like we know that like we're going to get done and we know how long it takes. And then it's, it's set. Outside you know, okay. of like the load up, uh, the load in and load outs is, um, is it just you two that are monitoring the sound within like the club itself, like around the areas versus, uh, not just not just the front of house, but you know, I'm pretty sure there's somebody walking around the club, you know, listening to, you know, <clears throat> how it's hitting in each part of the room. Yeah, I think we kind of like. I <laughs> yeah. I think I mean, you know, Elliot probably looks at it from a much more scientific perspective, and I'm looking at it kind of more of, of, of like an enjoyment aspect, you know. So the two, I think the two things mesh together in the same mm-hmm. kind of Venn diagram mm-hmm. to a degree, but then we are in close proximity to another bar. Um, and then close proximity to restaurants on either side of us. So, you know, there is like a bit of, I think this is kind of what you're asking, like pacing around to like, are we blowing the bar out? Are we blowing the restaurant out? Like yeah. how far off the sidewalk? Cause you do also, you yeah. legitimately have to concern yourself with, with the authorities. And like, once you're on the radar for sound violations, yep. in a small tight downtown area, you are always on the radar. And cause those white violations come from the bar and you just, you got to make sure that like you're doing your due diligence that like, you're kind of within what's, what's allowable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the near future, do you guys plan on possibly uh, trying to acquire a venue of your own to host, host your events so you can actually have your sound system in full and, and push it the way you would like it to be pushed? I think there's always a pipe dream to be entirely self sufficient. You know, how that may come about, is anybody's guess but certainly i think that it's important to keep an eye on long-term goals when you're doing something like this to see what might be fortuitous or within the within the realm of possibilities um so i think we're we're always we're always open to the possibility that um you know we're just in one step of a very many step process nice 
Do y'all plan on like possibly traveling with your with your sound system or anything like outside of Detroit or outside? I think of that'd Michigan be cool, itself? and I know Elliot would definitely love that. You know, I would think that'd be that'd be sweet. Yeah, there's definitely been a few different. I mean, there have been a few festival approaches towards me. Nothing that ended up coming to any fruition because it was all throughout COVID, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, we're having a festival. You want to bring your sound? Three months before the festival, yeah, that's not going to happen. That happened like five separate times, but that's just kind of how it's going to go. But I how mean, far I think advanced oh, do you guys need typically I, it, it as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think is really what it's got to be because the reality is is as much as I'd like it to be a thing because I do want to take the sound system places. It'd be really cool to bring it to some major festivals as far as like the notable ones in the genre. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, it's the same scenario of like it's still a hobby technically. So I have to figure out vacation wise, and you know, it's I only get two weeks a year, so it's yeah, <laughs> pick your battles again. Yeah. So you'll you'll see that a lot of them I'm burning the candle at both ends because they're like, oh, you're working Monday, and I'm like, yeah, it's that or vacation. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to see you guys so. do one outside of festivals as well too, and do more kind of a uh, like a sound battle event, like how uh, yeah, there's one uh, kind of happening here in Denver. <laughs> Um, in March with the, the pomegranate sound system, I believe headway uh, sound system. Headway, okay. Um, I think it's, uh, I think head in a bend, head in a bend is also coming. Um, really? Okay, yeah, Paul, um, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I just recently found out about the Spook Audio sound system, which okay, looks yeah. beautifully. <laughs> yep, Paraflex, yeah. yep. It's making the rounds yeah. today online. Yeah, there's a lot of them uh, actually happening in the U.S. now, it seems like. Uh, Do you guys have like a take on that? Uh, It's definitely – we're in a few of the chat groups because the sound system culture is actually kind of spread into the U.S. in the sense that everyone's actually somewhat kind of keeping in touch at that Mm -hmm. level. So I definitely know a few of the other sound system counterparts, and there's definitely been a lot of discussion of kind of how everyone's like, yo, we got to figure out how we're all going to meet up in one place and – find enough plugs to find <laughs> everything in, you know, like, and then yeah, what, you know, sure that's then the problem. cops come, you know, <laughs> yeah, just but, find a big open field. Yeah. It's always no, that's a basically what thing. it's gotta yeah. be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, cause you've got uh steel yard down in Cleveland and you've got subdermal also down in Ohio, uh, head in a bin. Yeah. Headway hi-fi pomegranate, um, substance audio, um, uh, 40 ounces right near you guys too is uh, right you mean 40 hertz yeah 40 hertz oh uh, yeah they're up in toronto yeah 40 okay, hertz, nice. uh, 40 hertz sound system good friends yeah big shout out uh jen john mike the whole crew great group of people um who else is there then you've got the the, the brown note which i haven't really heard anything about that in a while up in brooklyn dubstyle oh yeah, yeah dubstyle yeah. as well yeah dubstyle as well um, and they always have great events. I, I want to check them out one day for sure. They've been yeah. doing a long time, yeah. Definitely sure. worth it. I was fortunate to hit one of those. They had uh, Om Unit and DJ Mad. That was oh, nice. It was crazy. It was about DJ as Mad good as a local could get. out there now, correct? Uh, I'm trying to remember where he's at now because he was in Detroit for a little bit. I think he might be he might be somewhere else now. I think he's Chicago or Brooklyn. One of the okay. two. Do y'all have yeah. any like locals that um, are kind of bigger on scale that that live out there or or uh, come out and play the events from time to time? Uh, there's a few locals. So you've got um, Nick Kinsner, who's uh, half a mixed mind. He's out okay. in the Detroit area. Um, then obviously Josh with our crew, who is one of the former members of Distinct Motive. And then uh, what is he doing now? Uh, outside uh, Josh, of, uh, Distinct Motive. Uh, so he actually goes under a new name now, Intent, and he's just been kind of DJing and doing his thing uh, with us for Liquid Dance Hall as well. So he's been keeping in touch. He he did take a break for a little bit there because uh, he was doing the whole touring thing with Phil uh, and then kind of took a step back for a little bit. And then uh, when he started DJing again, kind of talked with me and we got him back in the loop. So, yeah, he's still he's still in it, still in the game. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's good. Though. It's, it's good to hear he didn't stop making music, and because and, um, it was definitely good to see both of them, and you can hear the different sounds, you know, back yep. in the day of Distinct Motive, as well as uh, well, Phil and Josh versus yeah. uh, what it is now. I'm. It's still. It's still dope 
but it's, it's yeah, a completely yeah. different sound than yeah. what it was before. Um, and at least to me, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing, though, when you have multiple people <coughs> to a thing, is they all bring their own talents and assets to it, and then you get this like really, really cool product. Yeah, it's yeah. just like uh, with myself and uh, and Kansu with our other project, uh, Samaza Sound System. Yeah, which uh, which I'm glad I actually was able to say on the air because a lot of people can't pronounce it. And, <laughs> I'm, and glad, they, I'm glad you said it because I've only read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time somebody comes up, it's a it's a different name every time. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it means uh, it means the fallen angel. So, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, when we do that project, our our sounds can completely collide together and it and it makes a whole different thing and it's it's wonderful because now he's doing more of um uh electronic stuff like more mid-rangey and uh okay. also halftime stuff and i'm still doing really more of the deep stuff so it's it's nice when our 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 style combines and this just kind of slaps you in the face of like you can hear the two different styles because me personally I think he's a better producer than myself. <laughs> so, like, I, I, he's he's better at constructing the tune very fast. He can he can get an idea down almost immediately, but he can't finish him. So that's where I come into play. So we're not so different. <laughs> so, and I am I am the arrangement part. You know, I can I can get the structure down almost immediately because a lot of my songs, like I, um, I can get a song done within a day. You know, it only takes me okay. really only probably about five, six hours to write a song and then come back to it and just finish the initial arrangement to make sure I still like it the next day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's more of a five or six years for me. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get on that. You got yeah. ideas that are just about done and you just yeah. gotta put that, that last little effort in it. Yep. You know, you, you know, you can make a hundred tunes. I mean, only five of them got to come out, but you know, it's the fact yeah. of more learning of, finishing the songs versus just writing it itself because not yep. every song is going to be you know a full song or something that needs to go into public it's, it can sit there in your drive forever but at least you know it's done and it's it's, it's completed work and you're proud of it yep yep so. i think the only person that i've seen that uh be the case where they pump out that many tunes is biome i think it was in 2022 we calculated it that he had released uh, self-releases alone, I think it was like 96 tunes. God and I damn! Think, I think like 90 of them I kept. I was like, these are all good. Yeah. Damn! That's, that's yeah, a, he, he pumps out tunes. It's unbelievable. That sounds like Cursor. Cursor doesn't doesn't sleep at all. Like, I don't I don't think people realize like how many tunes this guy actually makes. Like alone from his band camp, he's putting out he's putting out a whole album every month on on his band camp. You know, for Holy his subscription. Crap. Yeah. yeah, and that's not including the label releases and all the other stuff that he is sitting on. Like, that's yeah, <laughs> crazy. It's like, what are your dubs? Are there dubs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there definitely is dubs. That's for sure. Because <laughs> the album with himself and Chad Dubs, I think that was like uh, an album that they were sitting on for almost four years or something. And Man. and the quality of that album for four years is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's incredible what some of these people were actually doing with their music or able to do with their music. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> for sure. So with we got like ten minutes. Is there uh anything that you guys want to kind of put out in the air um, that you want people to know about you guys, sound system yourself, you know, things you guys got going on in the future, you know, what do you got Elliot? Um, just keep an eye out for the various upgrades that I'm going to be making in the, I don't want to say near future. I got a lot of work to do and I'm only one man. Um, <laughs> I've got he a says lot of these things pieces. and then like next week it'll all be done. Where did you even find the extra time to do this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for real, I guess it's not really like too big, uh, too big of a. So like, what I'm going to be working on, and I didn't reveal the details earlier, is I want to build the rest of the sound system. As to what those details are, I can't give them. But the components that I did get, um, I did pick up 
the uh, there's a preamp that Sinai uses, uh, and I, I just had my eye on it for the longest time because it's one of the only preamps with a DSP. So I ended up picking up one of those. Um, so the plan is with that, that's a five-way preamp. So it looks like I'm going to end up having to uh, make a whole row of kick bins in addition to my setup now. So Drat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and how do, you, how do you even have room to even store all this? Where do, where do you even make all this stuff? That, that's 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 the question that we both need the answer to. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like I keep on finding other ways to stack things is basically what it is. Like my garage is now um, – primarily industrial shelving and i'm being dead serious about that like i stripped out all of my tool benches in my garage and went to menards and bought the big metal racking that you like bolt to your floor um and then with that uh combination of putting my plasma table on wheels uh and then the others uh cnc it now lifts to the ceiling so i can still park my car in there so if, you so you have all of this to, in but, your garage versus doing this at like a shop. Yeah, yeah, I make all of this in my garage. <laughs> it's, that's that's crazy. You know, and honestly, I'm surprised I haven't heard a single complaint from my neighbors. You know, it's pretty. It's I keep a low a, a low profile apparently <laughs> somehow. Crazy. <laughs> Do you have but, like, any advice for like anyone that wants to get into possibly building sound systems? In all honesty, I encourage everyone to go out there and try these things. Like, yeah, you're going to learn some things. You're going to fail. But the reality is, is that's how I taught myself. I am self-taught Google, <laughs> Google Board of Education. Like YouTube videos and Google searches and forums and Reddit posts are like literally the basis for all, everything that I've learned. Nice. Um, yeah, engineering has helped a little bit from a hands-on perspective, but I wouldn't say that I would need to go to school to do what I do as far as what I've done here. My CNC is 3D printed um, and self-assembled from parts at Menards, and this is all stuff that's available to people on the internet, and it might seem out of reach, but the thing is, is throw yourself in front of enough buses and you'll be able to handle it. Like that's kind of what I've taught myself. Yeah. If you, if you want, if you want it bad enough, you'll, you'll, you'll get it one that's, way or another. Yeah. That's why, I mean, like when it comes back to like the pioneer DJ gear topic, like I do a lot of that repair also. And the only reason that I got into that, the whole reason I got into repairing all of this audio equipment speakers separate was because when I called up Pioneer after I bought my first pair of CDJ 2000s, and they were like, yeah, it's going to be 250 to repair, uh, repair that network port. And I was like, yo, I just spent $600 on this. How is this going to cost me half of it? Like, almost half of this. Like, come on. So it's like I went online, and I learned, said, and it. I taught myself. Yeah, that was legitimately what it was. And then just after years and years of doing it over and over and over, now I can say with confidence that I know this gear better than most people in repair shops do honestly so yeah, is there is there like a like a kind of a building point of where somebody could start you know doing that versus trying to build like a, a whole sound system um anything kind of smaller they can kind of yeah kind of get their hands into before getting to that level of wanting to build something a little bit bigger yeah, there's ton, like, again, with the internet being what it is, there's a million forum posts out there where people have dedicated time and effort to showing you how to measure speakers, calculate box, uh, like features and calculations and tuning. So there's a whole bunch of programs with that and YouTube tutorials associated with those programs. But even as it is for like uh, someone just trying to do it at a simple level, there's enough forum posts and guides out there that if you wanted to find, call it like a... Uh, shake and bake recipe for if you go to this website and buy this speaker, here's this box that you need to build and they'll give you the full breakdown process and everything for it. So like one I would recommend is the very budget friendly subwoofer build. And that's a uh, 18 inch subwoofer build that they teach you how to do for the cheapest way possible. And it's got the full instructions on how to set up your filters, how to like check your port length, everything involved and also doing it at like a price point. But at the same point, it gets you an 18 inch subwoofer for your house. <laughs> Typically, how much would, uh, does something like that, you know, cost to, to build versus versus buying? Um, it really does depend on what you're building. If we're talking pro audio, the wood that you're buying is going to be yeah. – the, the standard is going to be Baltic birch multiply void free. 
and that's for its characteristics, like its resonance and uh, its durability. You can use other woods, like a lot of uh, home speakers you'll see will use MDF. Uh, the problem with that is it absorbs a lot of water because it's particulate. Um, but you can use it for an indoor subwoofer, no problem. So that one I just talked about, the very budget-friendly subwoofer, you can pick up MDF for that stuff super cheap. So that's going to be, I think, for a 4x8, you're going to look at under, I think, around 60 bucks. It's been a while since I've looked at MDF, but if you're looking at birch and you're looking at actual good quality birch, you're looking at somewhere around 140 bucks a sheet. Nice. So... <clears throat> Yeah, it, it adds up pretty quickly. So if you're like building the 21s that I'm building or had built, I could build two of those out of three full sheets at 100% or damn near 100% material utilization. So you're looking at almost 500 bucks in wood alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. And then what like what about the components with inside the speaker, like uh, outside of the, the basis of building the, the box itself? Again, it's going to come back to how deep you want to dig into your wallet. Cause there's some stuff with neodymium magnets and some coaxial diaphragms and stuff like that. Uh, for compression drivers, then you can really I just want to let bill. you know, I have no idea what none of that shit meant. <laughs> <laughs> so like, here, we'll give you the, the, the background real quick. So a coax is going to have two drivers in one. That's going to be your top end horn. So that's going to have like the very highs and the highs. And then the other ones, like in my tops, it would have two twelves and those are neodymium. Uh, so it's like the difference between of having a small magnet or a really big iron ferrite magnet. So nice, man. I know you were saying that there's like uh, forms and videos out there that you personally, you know, looked at and joined and kind of learned off of doing that. Do you have any uh, recommendations of some of them that people can actually look at? One uh, one community that's really good about it is the Paraflex community. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm notorious for being a lurker rather than a contributor when it comes to like online posting, just because I'm always soaking up information rather than talking. Mm -hmm. But that community there, um, is very, very willing to help people understand and expand the designs because it's like, they're all publicly developed concepts. Now there's a lot of discussion on whether people like the design or not from an audio stance in the community, but as far as just getting started, that's a great spot to start because there's tons of free plans available and there's lots of people in that area that are just trying to figure out how to do box calculations and all of those things involved. And the program that they use in that is called Horn Response or Horn R-E-S-P and that's free and there's tutorials for it. It looks really archaic. But that's where a lot of people are doing their simulation and calculation and learning. And there's some YouTube videos on that as well. Nice. So it sounds like the, the community with, uh, surrounding that is pretty supportive. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> there's definitely. And that's why you're seeing lots of Paraflex boxes like pop up because a lot of the horn designs, yes, they are more difficult because a lot of them involve angle cuts and very uh, different horn expansion paths. Whereas with the Paraflex designs, it's all 90 degree turns. So you can get a lot of uh, a lot of designs away with just square cuts. So it's a lot of just sandwiching boards together kind of thing mm -hmm. rather than doing a lot of compound angles. So that makes it a lot easier to approach from like a new beginner standpoint. So, and on top of that, all the materials are listed. So it's like, here's a plan, here's the materials, go figure it out. Yeah. And that's extremely important with something like that to have a, a very supportive community, mm -hmm. you know, cause I mean, you don't know everything. So it's, it's nice to kind of get insights oh, yeah. from everybody that actually I know is a lot, but I'm this. still learning. <laughs> that yeah. Very, and we're, and yeah. we're learning every day. You know? Yep. If you're yeah. not, you're, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Well, you guys want to um, say anything else before we end up heading out of here? You know, let anybody I know about, you know, you guys' company, uh, any anything upcoming? I mean, just keep an eye out for our movement party. I think that we'll have a good time with that for sure. Uh, you know, just stay tuned to what we do. We're we're trying to push things in a different direction, fill a niche in the Detroit area, and try to stay true to the history and the culture of what where this comes from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, without without sounding too preachy, I I think we recognize that we are kind of part of a thread of something that's much bigger than ourselves and has been going on for a lot longer than most people have been aware of. And it's important. I think that with what we do, that we continue to pay homage to and respect those that came before us and like try to do it as true to whatever they would have been doing today if they could. Yeah. And I think you guys are doing a, an incredible job at it as well. Thank you. I mean, you, you guys are, are 
really pushing it. And it, it seems like you guys are just trying to build more and more on it so that it's, you guys have such a, a reputable name out in Detroit. I mean, because I, I mean, when I talk to you about sound systems as well, you guys come up in conversations to me because you guys are doing a fantastic job. So, I mean, Thank you. I Thank hope you. you guys keep at it, you know, and just keep getting better at what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, also, appreciated. Man, well, I really appreciate you guys, you know, talking with me and hanging out for a bit. Um, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And, yeah, man. Um, hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us on. Awesome, man. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Yeah, you too.